then walked you into his palace, seated you at his banquet table after he had had the servants clothe you, change your rags into gorgeous clothing, and set a banquet before you. What did you do to qualify yourself for that? Nothing. Where was the motivation? What was the animating thing that caused that God to come and sweep you up in his arms, his love for you? Not because you were lovely, you weren't. Not because you were lovable, you weren't. You were as snotty and vile and unlike him as you could possibly be. We all were. We are not godly. We are ungodly. When the Bible says we are ungodly, it means we are as unlike him as we can possibly be. There's not any resemblance at all. All the love resides in him. We don't love him. We don't sit at the side of the road with our tin cup. I just love that fellow that lives in the pit. No, we hate him. despise him. We're jealous. We're angry. And he comes and he sweeps us up. And we deserve to be at the side of the road. That's what we deserve. And worse, when he comes because he loves us and it all is within him, he comes and he takes us and brings us, he adopts us and seats us at his table. And every right that we have every right that could be possible to be welcomed into his presence is given to us freely with a totally open hand that's the good news we say gospel that's just an old old uh, English word for good news that's good news I would much rather have a relationship with God that's based totally on him loving me, not me loving him. Because that's secure. That's not going to change. My emotions, my feelings, my are all over the place. I don't even understand them. I can't even go into my heart and find out where I am. God can, does, and he defies it and loves me anyways. The, 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 the people that are receiving this letter, the Ephesians, Ephesus is in modern-day Turkey. Used to be a port. It's actually on a river. Used to be a port, but the river silted up, has silted up over the centuries so badly it's now something like 20 miles from the coast. <laughs> the ships can't get in there anymore. But it was a, it was a, it was a coastal city. Very prominent, very wealthy. They had this gigantic temple to Diana of the Ephesians. It was a place of extreme, as is, there was the whole Roman world, a place of outrageous debauchery. I would dare say that even a horrible, rotten American sinner going to a typical Roman city in that era in the first century would have been shocked at the open debauchery 
debauchery was part of the religion. There were temple prostitutes. And these Ephesians had come out of that background of absolute darkness. They were as unlike God as they could possibly be, just like the rest of us. Notice chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God. So powerful is God's mercy. So aggressive is his grace that he has actually brought us to the place where we are not only welcome before him with a big grin on his face, he's actually placed his, God the Holy Spirit dwells within us. John chapter 14. The Holy Spirit has been with you. He will be in you. Oh, and by the way, if you track with him and you walk in obedience and you walk, you keep seeking, my Father and I will also make our residence within you. So we actually have been elevated from that place where that or where that urchin at the side of the road who actually hates the guy who ultimately rescues us to be coming, coming to the place where we can actually in the strength of his Holy Spirit and as we listen to his Holy Spirit because he speaks to us, he is a person, he speaks to us, this is a book he wrote and we can imitate, be imitators of God. You talk about a change. There's a great gospel song I've heard. I wish I knew the, all the words. Change. Change. And you probably heard it on the Christian radio stage. Change. You talk about a change. Not only does he cleanse us of our sin, we are indwelt by God so we can actually act like God. Be imitators of God as dear children. Wow. I've been watching that gal, Julie. She's, she acts like Jesus. I've been watching Jason. He acts like Jesus. There's no explanation for that in them. The explanation is in God and the aggressive mercy that not only cleanses us of our sin, but he takes up a residence within us so that we can actually be mistaken for him. Be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself as an offering and a sacrifice to God for the sweets for a sweet smelling aroma. Many of you will remember what was it about a year ago, maybe more than that, when those what was it, twenty one Egyptian Coptic Christians kneeled down on the beach and they were all killed for only one reason. They wouldn't back down in their loyalty to Jesus. They could have escaped that death 
They could have gotten off with a beating if they had just said, well, never mind this Christian stuff, I'll become a Muslim. But they didn't do it. Jesus gave himself as an offering, a sweet aroma. You know what was going on there that wasn't in those photographs? Is there was a covey of angels. And God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were standing over that event. Filling their senses with the sweet aroma of that sacrifice. In the same way, there were sweet-smelling aroma sacrifices and as they burned the incense on the altar in the, in the group, and as they sacrificed the... Guys, ladies, you guys stand over the grill going... You know, God did the same thing in the temple and before that the tabernacle as they offered the sacrifices. God was hovering and the angels were hovering over that sacrifice filling their senses with that sweet aroma of the sacrifice of those men. And one of those men was a man who wasn't a Christian, who said, I'm becoming a Christian and I'm going to die today with these men because if they've got a God worthy of dying for, I want to die for that God too. What a day to enter the kingdom the day you offer your life to your Redeemer who had already offered his life to you. Walk in love. Jesus washed the feet of the apostles that night in the upper room and they recoiled at that. That was just too much. What did Jesus say to Peter when Peter said, no, this is too undignified. You, you are defaming yourself. You're this is so wrong of you, Jesus. You're too important to do this. If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And then at the end, he will say, imitate me. I want you to be washing others' feet. Walk in love as Christ also loved us and has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma but your former life but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints what are they to be saints those who have been the word saint, sanctify, holy, all have the same root word. It's just the translators just select holy, saint, sanctified based on what sounds the smoothest in the translation. But in the Greek text, it's all the same word. Hagias. Holy ones. These are people that came from this horrific, debauched, Gentile background. And what has God made them? Holy ones. What are they supposed to look like to that debauched world they came out of? Holy ones. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, 
which had been the very characteristics of your former life, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Grateful hearts. Grateful hearts. Not covetous hearts, but grateful hearts. Lord, thank you for what you've given me. We had a brother that asked for prayer, which I failed to pray for, uh, financial stuff. You know what? You think about Israel in the wilderness. I tell you, I don't like the manna plan. I mean, that manna coming down. It came down for 40 years. Six days a week, it was there. But every day, you know what was going on in the minds of those people? for 40, Even in the 40th year, I wonder if it's going to happen today. I wonder if it's going to happen today. I much prefer the billion-dollar bank account. <laughs> it's all there. and I. But if I'm going to walk in dependence on God, was the man of God faithful? Oh, yes. He was faithful. It never failed to come. One day at a time. It's very uncomfortable. But there isn't as I, I'm going to, I'm going to hope I'm not disappointing anybody. There is no, I'm going to make you comfortable verse in the Bible. I'm going to make you dependent on me, and then I am going to keep my promises. Your dependence will never become disappointment. Never. For this you know, that no fornicator, no person characterized by that, or unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. You know, there's two judgments the Bible talks about. There is that coming judgment where all those who have never entrusted themselves to Christ will stand. It's called the great white throne judgment. And the only issue there is will you be in the deep end or the shallow end of the lake of fire? The other judgment precedes that, and it's called the judgment seat of Christ. And it's where we stand before Christ. By the way, the word translated judgment seat is the Greek word bema, which is the, the, the reviewing stand where the judges or referees at the Corinthian games, because that's where we find it in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, that's where they passed out the reward. They didn't kill the losers. They rewarded the victors. But if you are someone who has come to faith in Christ, but you don't follow through and walk in all the benefits he has planned for you, if you choose to make your orientation what it always was instead of what it could be, you will, as Paul says, you will be saved, yet so is by fire. You won't have the reward in the eternal kingdom you could have had otherwise. That's why he says, in the kingdom, that person doesn't have a, an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. He'll be Every single person who's there is going to be glad to be there. Redeemed is redeemed is redeemed is redeemed. But there will also be redeemed and greater glory. 
And every single instance where the reward of the eternal kingdom, the eternal reign of Christ is described, it is always described in terms of sharing his authority. We will have jobs to do. Don't ever please think of the eternal kingdom of Christ as sitting around on a cloud strumming in total boredom, strumming a harp. Uh-uh. No, you'll have jobs to do. It'll be day to day to day to day. It's not nirvana. It's not being spun off into nothingness. And No, it is going to be a day to day just like today. Except, thank you, God, we won't have fallen natures still dwelling within us and we will have resurrection bodies. I'm really looking forward to both of those things. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. Let me tell you something, folks. I'm not a perfect person. I don't care who you are in this room. I could sit down with you, and I could tell you everything that's wrong with me. And in five minutes, there isn't a person in this room that couldn't fix me. You could all give me the accurate, good advice, wisdom, that would fix me. And you know what effect it would have? None. Because we can't fix each other. Only God can fix us. Amen. He not only can speak to us wisdom, he can enable us and motivate us and bring us to the place where we can actually, by the help of his Holy Spirit, be imitators of God, as we've talked about, and start walking in it. Amen. But there are lots of people out there with empty words all of these, well, every single non-Christian religion is empty words. Mm -hmm. You know what Hindus are counting on? You know what the ultimate, this is just a quick one example, you know what the ultimate hope of a Hindu is? To get to the place where you're a Brahmin, and then once you're past being a Brahmin, you, you, you do the Brahmin thing really, really, really well so you don't get sent back down to one of the lower levels, but you get spun off into nirvana, which is nothingness. Nirvana is just going out of existence. You know what? That's a lie. We are eternal beings who will never, ever, ever not exist in all of our understanding. The issue is, will I spend my eternity in the presence of God and the joy that is immeasurable, or will I spend my eternity in the lake of fire? Day after day after day, as is described in the last verse of Isaiah the word, and quoted by Jesus, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Well, that's really not a very nice message. No, but it's the truth. And anybody who doesn't say that, those are empty words. They're lying to you. If you had cancer and you went to a doctor and he didn't diagnose you with your true problem, well, I know that John Doe has cancer, but if I tell him, he's really going to be bummed out, so I'll lie to him. <laughs> Do you want your doctor to lie to you? No, you don't. So let me tell you the truth. Let no, no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God. 
You know, this business of a, a, a wrathful God, that's really not a very pleasant thing. Oh, do you want to know the truth? The real God, ladies and gentlemen, is very, 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 very fierce. God the Son sweat drops of blood. His blood pressure was so high that his, the blood vessels in his forehead and his face were bursting. And that mixed with the sweat as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he knows what awaits him. It was a fierce wrath that his father would pour out on him because he's going to be our substitute. He's going to be our substitute. And it, an angel came and strengthened him. God the Son become flesh. True God of true God. True man of true man. Joined together in one person. Became. And he needed an angel's touch. To strengthen him for what awaited him. That will be the experience of every rebellious person who does not welcome his mercy. That's what awaited him. <coughs> because of these things, the wrath of God came upon Jesus on the cross, and he knew what awaited him, and he sweat great drops of blood, and he needed the hand of an angel to strengthen him and to move him forward to receive that. For us, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. You don't want to be part of that program. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Don't become partners in that. You've been delivered from it. Don't go back to it. For you were once darkness. Part of the theme of Vincent's poem was the darkness from which he was delivered out of darkness into light. For you were, and he doesn't say you were once in the dark, you were once darkness. Everything about you was darkness. It wasn't that you were some sweet little thing in the dark. No, you weren't sweet. You were darkness. You were just like the devil. You were once darkness, but now you Ephesian Christians who have been redeemed, bought back. What did Job say? I know that my Redeemer lives. Now you are light in the Lord. Walk as if that's true, because it is. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness. What should, you, what should characterize you? The things that already listed, the fornication and the adult? No. Goodness. righteousness truth what is it that the world hates about Jesus 
What is it that the world hates about his people? It's the goodness, it's the righteousness, is that we won't shut up telling them the truth. Why don't we shut up telling them the truth? Because we love them enough to tell them the truth. Doctor, I didn't really want to hear that cancer diagnosis. Don't you want the truth? So that you can address the reality of your situation? For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. As you pursue God through his word, what do you find out? What is pleasing to God? What is pleasing to God? Was Because the bi- biggest motivation in you will be, how can I please the God who redeemed me? He is the only being who is frankly owed my loyalty and my effort. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, expose them, and the world will hate it. But some of them will, by the help of God's Holy Spirit, take the lesson and run to Jesus. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. They're not going to love you for it, except those who accept the diagnosis and run to the great physician, to the Redeemer. Therefore, he says, and here Paul combines a couple of verses from Isaiah, Awake, you who sleep. Ephesians had at one point been dead asleep. Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you life. Jesus pursued me. I look back at my life. I look back at the family I was raised in, typical American family. There's only one explanation why this guy ended up in Jesus' kingdom. Because Jesus tracked me down and made me his. Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. As you read his word, you know what you're gonna you know what your response in your mind and heart and coming out of your mouth is gonna be time after time? Aha! 
Oh, wow, I never knew that before. Aha, yikes. Oh, so that's how it works. Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you, aha, oh, I think I'll do that next time with the help of God. And it all happens because all of the love resides in him. We weren't lovable, we weren't lovely, but he loved us and sought us out despite what we were. That's what he did. I'm going to ask Jim Rittman.